Ziploc that Right on my waistline is why I kept that strap I remember nights, I didn't remember nights I damn near went crazy, I had to get it right Now I'm your favorite rapper's favorite rapper Hey, now I'm your favorite trapper's favorite trapper The absolute truth, yeah, no joke Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Trap Draw Podcast. My name is DJ. Sitting in for some of our esteemed hosts, it's it's obviously a rotating cast of characters hosting around here, and I have the distinct honor tonight uh, to be talking about the ending, the finale of one of my favorite shows of all time, uh, one of the favorite shows of all time of of all of this wide, wide cast of characters we have joining us tonight. Uh, we got a pretty full house. Uh, this doesn't always happen, but we've got a lot of hands up, a lot of people ready to chat uh first of all you know we know he he doesn't like the knobbies uh and we know he gets very boring when you mess with his special cheese uh it's kvv kevin how we doing welcome uh welcome to the show dj i'm i'm ready for one last rodeo I'm not to, ready to take the golden parachute just yet uh so I, i'm very excited to be here and very excited to see a couple other colleagues here as well also joining us, we've heard his uh, his takes on succession before, uh, before he had to leave our last podcast for a high-powered business meeting. Uh, we're still trying to figure out if he's if he's just a guy or if he's a 10x guy. Uh, it's Neil Schuster. Neil, hello. I'm all, you know I'm all about those creamy margins, baby. <laughs> Come on now. Phones. I need phones. <laughs> Come on. Where the fuck is Emma? Uh, and finally, uh, when it comes to the Schuster clan, he is... The eldest boy. That is Tron Carter. You may know him as Todd Schuster. We haven't heard from him on Succession yet. Tron, true or false, this is one of your favorite shows of all time. True. Uh, I may not watch it on time. Uh, I prefer to binge it. I watched uh, the entire season four over the last 48 hours. And uh, I was up till 3 a.m. last night watching the <laughs> finale. And uh, yeah, I'm ready to chop it up. Also, thank you to Mr. Jeezy. Of course. Uh, Sorry. Yeah, forgot of course. To- Big thanks to our first sponsor, and that is Roback Activewear. You all know Roback. These guys understand quality. There's only one way to describe Roback. Best fit, best feel. Deej, my man, we're kicking off the summer. Perfect time to load up on the best gear. Absolutely, Tron. The best thing I can say is, you know, we're going to talk a lot on this podcast about how horrible the Roy children are. Not once you see them wearing Roback, you know? Because it's 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 kind of a good people only company, you know. They're 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 getting rid of the Roy's. They're getting rid of all those kinds of bad bad vibes. Uh, so th- that's the biggest compliment I could pay today in front of this Succession podcast. Amen, amen. They've got their uh, they got a lot of patriotic polos. They've also got some Texas polos. I was down in Fort Worth this really? past week. Yeah, Texas flag on the back where the stripe is or was. Uh, that's kind of very, a natural fit. Right, that makes totally. sense. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy how much rowback I saw out of the Colonial. Yeah. People looking great, lots of great prints, loved it, and they were all comfortable, right? Um, I don't have to tell you. You also live up in Milwaukee. You guys are probably still wearing hoodies at this point. Right? You can, and that's the that's the great thing about the rowback hoodies, right? They're kind of ready for you know if it's if it's kind of 45, 50 degrees, it's great. If it's it's, if it's kind of sixty five degrees, it's great. Very flexible piece, TC, as as those in the fashion world would call it. And we'll have we'll have a video uh, likely coming out this week where uh, I'm wearing a rowback hoodie at uh, the Los Angeles Country Club, and Sally's wearing a rowback polo. I was I was afraid to take the hoodie off. I didn't want to lose the magic. You, sure. We'll see why. Yeah. Once we get there, I can relate to that. But yeah, the hoodies they're like they're so soft. It's crazy. 
I'm kind of I'm the kind of guy. Once I start a round of golf, I don't like to change things up too, don't too shake much. Shake it up, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, Solly was wearing the Q-zip. It's stretchy, soft as soft as hell, comfortable. He can't take it off either. Anyway, we got Father's Day approaching. Uh, Freddie, if you're listening, uh, new there's new designs being released weekly. Use code TRAP, T-R-A-P. That's TRAP, T-R-A-P, on Roback.com. That's R-H-O-B-A-C-K.com for a generous 20% off your first order through the end of the week. That's spelled R-H-O-B-A-C-K.com. 20% off all polos, Q-zips, hoodies, and tees with code TRAP. Get ready for summer with Roback. And now let's get ready for succession with the boys. Teach, uh, just say, but like in any any uh, season finale or series finale, there's always a chance that past guests could be popping up on the show. So just prepare the audience for that in case uh, that were to happen. That's true. We've we've sent the link out to. Uh, we've got a lot of lines in the water. We might have a couple hot pop ins. We might not. It might be the four of us. We might have some others. Uh, Solly's got a cow print couch, I think, being delivered to the house <laughs> tonight. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to make it, but uh, you know, he might pop it at some point too. But Tron, let's start there. How, how, talk to me about the experience of of binging this thing in forty eight hours. That that either sounds like the best or the worst uh, possible experience. I'm, I'm curious how that went for you. Yeah, probably a little bit of both. Uh, I did that with all four seasons. Um, I, I I would wait until on the first couple, I waited until they were like five or six episodes in and then kind of went from there and uh, snacked on it for the last uh, last little bit. Um, but yeah, it was it was a lot to digest. I think I need to go back and watch it, watch at least season four again. Um, I couldn't tell if it was just me or if the season was kind of, it kind of ran out of gas, not not ran out of gas, but it didn't really, it wasn't really punching above its weight, kind of middle to end of the season. And then it kind of, it just ramped back up about 20 to 30 minutes into the finale last night. So I thought, I thought of season four, I thought season or ep one and ep two were like among the strongest episodes of the season. That's, that's fascinating yeah. because I feel like, you know, art is, is obviously open to interpretation. I, I got to wonder if some of this is you watching this at 3 a.m. Uh, because I think episode nine is like my favorite episode of TV yeah, ever. Nine's really good too. Eight and nine yeah. were top tier TV. Eight's great TV that is just so bleak. It's so hard to watch, but just, I think those were great. So I think the, it was more like the five, six, seven. Yeah. That's, that's kind of, I'm like, all right, where are we going here guys? And I know they're just setting up a bunch of stuff and, and, you know, kind of putting it on the platter for, you know, eight, nine and 10. Well, speaking of that platter KVV, you, uh, you run our TV club, uh, on the refuge. You're, you're talking about a lot of finales a lot of season finales a lot of series finales all kinds of different things what what'd you think of last night let's let's start with the finale a little around the horn here what was what were your your immediate takeaways no like major surprises for me like i i don't i couldn't have predicted necessarily where it was gonna go but i think that the decision making of all of it i, I would always look for in a series finale is like tonally does it fit in with the rest of the everything that's been building to and like one thousand percent uh, there wasn't like, you know, there was some callbacks that were sort of spiritual callbacks, uh, but not necessarily like, um, stupid ones. You know, it was, it was so you got the three kids together. It's, you know, they're, they're pouring the, they're do doing the stuff, pouring things into the blender and they're going to dump it on Kendall's head. And it's like, you get that moment where you think like, oh, 
Like they love each other. They're going to make this work. They're going to, and of course it just yanks it right out from underneath you. Right. That's, that's a callback to like the boat scene in the beginning, the first year with that. It's just such a fun sort of nod to the past in that sense while also moving it forward. Well, and speaking of nods to the past, you know, I, I hate when they, they lean on old guests, they lean on, you know, those types of old tropes, cameos, they bring yeah. in cameos. Uh, but unfortunately we're, we're going to pull one of those. Uh, we do have a special guest, Rory. Uh, we're going to keep you for, for five minutes and we'll, we'll get you out of here. What I, I appreciate, I appreciate that. We just got our rental house at the Memorial and uh, Eric is upstairs giving Poppy a bath. <laughs> All right. Clock's, <laughs> Clock's ticking. What immediate thoughts on the finale? What are you thinking? I mean, unbelievable. I, I, sh I, I kicked myself. I should have seen what was going to happen with Tom uh, and Lucas. I, I was like, I was it's so funny. I went to, I was driving out my driveway today to go practice, and I was thinking about it. I was like, I should have seen that coming. <laughs> like that was. Um, but yeah, I mean, just. I didn't know how I didn't know how they were going to end it. I felt like this season has been like so much chaos, and I didn't know how they were going to tie it all together. And they, I, I thought they did an unbelievable job. I mean, the whole, the yeah, the scene in the kitchen in the Caribbean, and then you know they're all getting back and they're all business. They're going to do this, and then just again, they just couldn't get out of their own way. It's unbelievable. So Rory, on the first when you joined us the first time around, you said that you you didn't like any of these characters. And I felt like I agree with you on that, but by the end of this show, I'm rooting for Ken. I felt like, you know, when, when Shiv's dressing him down in the other conference room, I'm like, what? He, I don't think he'll be good at the job. I was like, no, don't do this to him. Don't do this to him. Did you feel yourself rooting for any of the siblings? No, because whenever Shiv said you killed someone, I'm like, yeah, he's probably not a great guy. Yeah, that was, that's good. That's <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. And then he lied about it. And, and then he, yeah, then he, then he lied about it. And then, I mean, it just, yeah. Um, hey, look, it goes back to their dad. They, you know, they, they weren't, they weren't hugged enough as kids and, and that's how they all turned out. So, um, yeah, just, but an unbelievable way to finish it. I mean, I don't, I don't think they, could, I, I thought they got it spot on. I was thinking DJ in that scene where, you know, they, he said, you know, you killed someone. It wasn't so much that the the real betrayal for the other siblings was that Ken like tried to deny it. Then, right? Yes. That he was like, "No, that never happened." Yeah. Like, I don't think Shiv or Roman cared that Kendall might have killed somebody. That was like, "No, you actually used that to sort of bond between us." And then now you're saying it's like bullshit because you want power. I was like, "Oh man!" Like that's the real betrayal in that moment for them. Which is a pretty tough sentence to to get through there. Like, you know, the fact that we you killed someone, we could have got over that. That's fine. The fact that you lied about it, man, that's that's what's really tough. Uh, Roy, I think one of the things just looking at some of the, you know, the feedback to the first pod we did with you was you're you had some good candor about, you know, thoughts as a dad and watching these kids uh, be raised, you know, in, in extreme wealth and and what it does to them and, and you know, kind of how that relates to your own life. Not a great season uh, to uh, to, you know, really undo any of those thoughts, I would imagine. <laughs> Not really. I, I don't think I don't think Shiv's the best mother. Um, and I don't think Tom would be the best father either. But um, yeah, not a not a lot of um, inspiration when it comes to the um, the parenting skills of. Uh, yeah, I think as well, like I thought Ken, you know, Ken lost it all. Right. You know, Ken, he'd already lost his kids, already lost his wife. And now he, you know, it's almost like he lost the one thing he really cared about all his life, 
um, which just goes to show what a sort of terrible human being he, he ended up being. But um, yeah, I, you know, as fun as it was to watch, um, you know, there's some parts of that show that just were so uncomfortable. And I don't, I think I'll sort of, I'll miss it, but I won't miss it in a way as well, because it's like, God, I, I really enjoy watching these people and they're terrible humans. Uh, well, we will, uh, we'll let you get back to, to bath time. I do got to ask, you know, we finished the last pod by talking about where each of these characters are going to play their golf, right? KVV was kind of listing that out where Rory, where's, where's Lucas Matson playing his golf? At Albany. Oh, that's a good call. I think, it's, I think, it's an, I think he's an Albany guy. <laughs> I didn't know how deep we were going to get if we were going Brohoff slot, if we were going to, you know, one, one of those Scandinavian courses, but I, I well, like you, you guys, you guys know that part of the world a bit better than I do. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for popping on, man. Uh, enjoy uh, this week out at the Memorial, and uh, we will uh, we'll talk to you soon. I appreciate it. I actually, so um, before, I, before I go, quick story. We landed at the airport, and I met Solly's dad, who's volunteering, really? and he gave me my courtesy car. Yeah. <laughs> Did you get any Logan Roy vibes from, from Mr. Solomon? <laughs> um, high-powered businessman no. himself. <laughs> Solly's dad was probably shitting on Rory's private jet. Like, oh, like, you know, kind of, kind of like, kind of like Matson did to Shiv there. Like, uh, you know what? Like, this is cute. All right. Rory, I'm sorry my son's always bagging on your wedge game. I know it's unfair. It's just really, you know. It's not, it's, it's, it's not unfair. It's all good. But uh, anyways, guys, thanks for having me on. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon. See you guys. See ya. Solly's dad was probably twisting his turnips. He might have actually. We gotta have Rory. We gotta have Rory on to talk about Dairy Girls, frankly, because it's like that right in awesome. his like Dairy Girls, so good. So Rory, if you're listening, please <laughs> well, come back and talk Gage, Dairy Girls with us. I want to. I want to go around the horn. What did you think was going to happen? What was your prediction last night? I'll let, I'll start with you. Like before before you watched episode ten. So I think my prediction was. Uh, so you, you kind of said it, or you kind of hinted at KVV. Like this show is not like lost like the show, right? It's not lost. It's not breaking bad. It's not, you know, any of these like, uh, you know, a little more turned up edge of your seat. Anything could happen. What if Logan's not dead? Like it wasn't going to be any of that stuff, right? It was just going to be like something pretty straightforward and like, Hey man, this has been in the works for, for five years. There's not going to be some crazy thing that happens at the end. And so what I thought was, uh, it was going to be exactly what happened up until the last like five minutes of the show. I thought it was going to be like, man, Ken is going to lean into becoming his dad. He's going to finally play his cards right. And he is going to like, quote unquote, win, but not really because he's going to just like basically like Godfather 2 is kind of what I thought it was going to be. I thought he was going to just kill everybody around him, finally be the toughest guy in the room and kind of get away with it and and have like a hollow victory. And I was feeling really good. I should have cashed that ticket out uh, with about 20 minutes to go. But uh, obviously that that didn't happen. But Tron, what, what, where were you at? What did you think was going to happen? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I was kind of all over the place. Neil, like you, I kind of found myself rooting, rooting for Ken and thinking, all right, like what can he do here? And then I think at what are the, the end, moves? What's the shape? What's the shape? I was, yeah. I was, I wasn't so much rooting for Ken. I was rooting for. I, I fell into the trap of like they're getting along. This is great. Exactly. Finally, they're all yeah. gonna like the the power of the group is gonna win out here, and they're gonna work together. But I think the like the thing that really sold it for me at the end was was Rome sitting there with the martini, and kind of it was like the weight of the world was off of his shoulders. But then kind of the new realization setting in on him of like, oh shit, like what do I do now? And 
but that was i don't know that was kind of what i was wanting from the series of like i'm i'm a huge rome guy like i i, I love, of course, of course. love rome and like i just you know i'm like excited for his his next act because i don't think that rome is i think he's the one of the group that actually has a good heart he definitely is the most, uh, he's got the most emotion or the most, uh, like, it seems like it's in there at least. I don't know if it'll ever be accessed again, but it, it seems like it's in there. It's funny. You're talking about Neil, like all of them getting along. I was saying before we hit record, I watched it, uh, with my in-laws last night. We were at their house for Memorial day and like, Oh, what's going on? I was like, well, I, like, I kind of, I really like this show succession. And like, I know you guys haven't watched it, but it's like kind of a big deal tonight. I, I kind of need to check in and they're like oh great we'll watch it with you and never have watched an episode and so they were they were very great about like not like who's this again you know they were kind of just rolling with it but i was almost like trying to help them out a little bit and during that scene in the kitchen i think like right after it i was like man i don't i'm not trying to spoil anything for you but just so you're on the same page like every time this happens shit gets so bad like it's it's about to <laughs> it gets real bleak, it's about yeah. to be horrible like this is there's too much of this episode left like this is is not gonna go well uh, i thought the one thing they did well like or not the one thing they did well but like the the really cool switcheroo was like i thought rome was gonna be the one to back out there yeah when they're in the room oh and then and then it's actually shiv and so did Ken, because he was like, oh, hell yeah. Southern gets it out of him. We, we got it, man. So I want to talk about the scene where Roman is like, why can't it be me? And Ken sort of like hugs him to the point where he rips open his, his scar again. I have sort of a take on that and why I think that that went down, what Ken was sort of exactly doing there and what uh, Roman was. But I would like to hear what your guys' sort of read on that situation was, because my wife and I had a big sort of discussion about this last night about what exactly was happening in that moment. Well, that's when I started to root for Ken because it was finally he and in that scenario to me, Ken was right. It's like, yo, you you blew it at the funeral. Nobody believes in you. Like right now, at this moment, the way the chessboard is set up, I have to hit the checkmate. And so he basically bear hugged him into submission. Like I like you already agreed to this. Don't don't do this. Right. And he, you know, it, it was kind of an image thing. He looks at himself in the mirror and then he's like, cool, I'm just going to like beat you down and put you in the, you know, the dog cage like we did as kids exactly. a little bit. Yeah. So it was yeah. kind of a return to the childhood a little bit. Yeah, Kev, what was your what was your take on it? Just like that it was both an act of aggression and an act of love is that like he knew that Roman could not actually do it, not only for his own sort of ambitions, because I think if like he did, I think there was times throughout the series where if Ken thought that Roman could have handled it, that he would have sort of backed him and he would have sort of been the brotherly shit. He, he, but in that moment, like Roman needed to sort of be humiliated again which is sort of a theme with him and to have that sort of you know ripped open in him and he needed a sort of a way an out to sort of convince himself that, okay i can't do this like i can't i can't the reason why i can't do this is because i, I look like a, i look like shit i look like someone you know protesters beat the crap out of me so obviously i should stand down and like vote for my brother and it was like ken was giving him that out to sort of say like okay I, you, you're having this moment of like, oh, you know, it shouldn't be you, it should be me. And now I'm going to sort of remind you that like, it's okay for you to sort of, because Roman really never, he, every sort of opportunity where he had, where he could have sort of thrived and been the king, he got scared or he sort of stumbled or he fucked things up. And I think he was like, Roman was always like a good candidate to sort of, you know, rise above it, but was never actually a good monarch type. And so in that moment, it was like, okay, 
you, now you can sort of walk this back and support me because you look like shit and you're going to go into that meeting and look like a moron. I think a big theme of the show, too, is like, I forget if it's in season two or season three, there's a line about, you know, Logan never never wanted anything around he couldn't kick to see if it would come back, right? Like all these all of these characters are just like, please kick me as hard as you can. Like that is what they know and that's what they respond to and that's what, I mean in a way like we can we can kind of get there later but like that's that's a little bit of my read on shiv at the end too right is like you know hey i i i know i act tough and i know i'm you know i'm i wanted this quote unquote for me and i i you know instead of being like gutted by you know instead of like being fully blinded the way kendall was and just like i'm gonna scratch and claw until you fucking kill me it was just like well you know i'd rather be in the circle than like totally cut out so like i guess i gotta you know i'll crawl back a little bit and it's just that's kind of what roman was like and kendall's version of that i think is just continually going into that same boardroom just true like oh shit here we go again uh (laughs) just over and over and over man it's just it's it's just brutal this episode is brought to you by fx's the veil starring elizabeth moss FX is the Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX is the Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Did any part of Shiv do you think chose, like, let's even say it's like 2%. Is it is it 2% out of love and 98% proximity to power? Because I think there's a think little bit of a... I think it's, it's much subtle enough. more balanced than that. Okay. I think. Because I do think, like, you know, she realized that she was maybe an unlovable person. And yet here was Tom willing to love her and willing to, like, be some sort of fucked up parent with her. And so, you know, her, like, what he says, you know, you, you hate failure more than, like, you, you are, what is it about passing a test? You, you, you hate, hate to more pass Siobhan a test, Siobhan. Yeah, failing a or test. Or hate to fail a test. And so I think then that moment is like, okay, because it's interesting to me that Shiv set in motion the all the events by essentially saying, well, Tom will suck the biggest dick in the room. Like, he, and that's exactly what Madsen sort of realized. is like, oh, I don't actually want someone with ambition and ideas. I want someone to be a pain sponge. And so her telling that to Madsen makes her lose the job, but then her betraying her brothers brings her back into proximity of power. That's where it's like the Shakespearean elements of me are, are pretty cool. It's like, okay. I thought going back to the funeral too, like I thought the, you know, Kendall's Kendall obviously rose to the, to the occasion there, but I think Shiv, I don't know, like kind of cleaning up the mess after uncle Ewan <laughs> just steps up and like, God, nobody's nobody's gonna speak from you know, you, nobody's gonna keep me from speaking at my own brother's funeral kind of what thing. kind of people but, would do that yeah but um <laughs> i don't know shiv's shiv's thing just felt like like even then it was kind of a preview of like she's she's so caught in between her own allegiances and her own priorities right I think uh, KVV, you mentioned pain sponges. Uh, I, was, I was just thinking, who's who's the biggest pain sponge I know? Uh, and it, it's clearly got to be our guy, Tim Simons. Uh, Tim. Jonad, y- what's you happening? You may know him as, you know, he's, he's many, 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 many things. He was kind of, many people are saying the original cousin Greg on a show called Veep. He played Jonah. Uh, Tim, how are you? And and what's the hottest succession take you got on, on your mind right now? Um. 
You probably covered, you're all very smart people. You probably covered them all already. I am uh, at a Memorial Day party, like a Memorial Day barbecue. I'm in a bathroom because it was the only place where the Wi-Fi worked. Um, so I have a lot in common with the with the with the people of uh, Waystar Royco, with like you know the kind of the elite level of hanging out in bathrooms. That's me. It's the disgusting um, brothers getting in the fight in the bathroom. Exactly. Oh god, the disgusting. That was what an incredible moment. It's best. What have you guys covered so far? Like, what's the what? What are your big takeaways? Uh, you know, everything was great. We loved it. You know, we didn't really get too far beyond that. We're good. We're yeah. We're getting warmed up. Yeah. Why don't you hit us with a hot take here, Tim? I, I want to hear your take on Matthew McFadden in general because I know we talked a little bit about this about the master class that he has put on through the last four seasons. Like, just incredible acting, incredible chameleon ways of how he is a basically a different character depending on who he's acting off of. Uh, let me hear a little bit from an acting perspective how good you thought he was. I, you know, it's funny. He starts off as such a, uh, he starts off as such a, a, like kind of a dunce, like just like a, an, I don't know, just like you can just dump on him and nothing he does is right. He's almost like he's like a clown off to the side. And one thing that I really admire about like the arc that he has is that he, like when he when he has those moments where he's like, all I've ever thought about is money, like how to get more of it, how to keep it, how to make sure I never without like so all I've ever thought about. Like there is something that's kind of beautifully honest about that. Like he's he's uh, like giving an incredibly truthful and honest performance about a person who just happens to be a terrible person who would let his new boss fuck his wife <laughs> if it meant that he just got to be the boss. You know what I mean? But my biggest takeaway, I think, was uh, Deej and I have been texting about, like, what do we think was going to happen? And I was definitely in the camp of thinking that Kendall was going to take over. And I'm so happy it didn't go that way, that it just went to the three siblings fighting like children in a boardroom. And it was like, I and mean, then going back to that, like, you're not serious people moment. Like they're not, they're, they are, they're fucking useless and they're bad at this. And the only reason they were ever humored is because they were the boss's kids. Like that was an embarrassing display of Kendall being like, I would, if I don't get this job, I'm going to die. Like once, then he starts lying about the, starts lying about the, like, oh, I didn't actually kill a man. I, that was incredible. How did you guys feel about that, that whole scene? Oh, I loved, I loved this, the sort of just summary of Roman saying, we're all bullshit. Like what a, to what a yeah. great simplistic way that people actually talk. Like, I don't know that people actually make those kind of grand proclamations about who they are, but when they do, that's exactly how they sort of say things. It's like, there wasn't some big speech from Roman. It's like, dude, we're just all bullshit. And I thought that was a great summary of like self-realization of why those kids are such fucking nothings. I, I loved the the juxtaposition between them and the Swedish, like the Gojo characters. I thought that was such a powerful part of the season of, you know, like the guy, Spencer Hall was tweeting about the one guy today. Oscar, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just wants to fucking, you know, rip shots, take saunas, and like just be very, very like aggressively passive aggressive. <laughs> it's so good. And Ebba's just hiding in the corner. It's, I think, I think the part you mentioned, uh, Kevin, like about the, the we are we're bullshit speech is also kind of one of those moments where like I feel like this show says the quiet part out loud like so little. Right. Mm -hmm. That that was kind of like 
no, man, like just before we go, like, let me just spell it all out for you here. Like, this is this is what you guys have known for four seasons. But like, fuck, I just realized it. And like, mm-hmm. man, that's tough. That is tough. And in the seeing the difference in how Roman, to your point, Tron, goes to the bar, has a martini, which, by the way, shout out to whoever I saw it from on Twitter uh is jerry's drink of course mm-hmm. uh is the like you know the the super dry martini uh and just kind of smiles versus kendall just like wow is he gonna jump off this building is he gonna jump in the river like how is he gonna kill himself basically yeah. and it's just there was a great part at the end of uh if you guys watched like the whatever they call it like the controlling the narrative thing basically like the the extras on it oh mark my mark my and walking us through his his i skipped those completely so are those are those worth watching? oh they're fucking they awesome they are worth they're watching great yeah. but okay. those guys take themselves so serious and, and and tim i'm sorry i know you're in the business but i'm like yeah this guy's the the, the, the british accents and everything and that just you know and the tsunami well, that, of emotion that's coming over me is this is this is going to be over and i just had to, i just had to you block it all out somebody for having an act I, I, you know, I was like, I'm, I was a little Jerry Seinfeld gif for me. That, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm okay here. I'm good now. Uh, I think the the thing that was great that he said that Jesse Armstrong said in the most recent one was basically talking about how like, you know, maybe Roman puts himself together and maybe he's just a playboy for thirty years and maybe he starts a business or maybe he gets to, has an affair or maybe he whatever. But like, he, this is like a chapter in Roman's life. Whereas, like, for Kendall, like, this is it. Like, these are the defining days, the defining hours, the defining weeks. Like, everything else for the rest of his life is run through the prism of of these days, which is just like, God, what a what a tough lot to, to carry around. Kevin, what do you got? I actually think the British thing, just so you bring it up, is sort of an essential, like, part of the show's DNA. Because, like, it's made by British people who are in some ways saying that, like, Americans are not serious people and sort of there's this is sort of a study of like what the royal family would sort of fight about right like and we don't have a monarchy in our country and so it's like these very smart brits are saying oh fucking america like they're they're fighting over so much shit that they're like electing a fascist because they can't like get out of their own way and they can't like be nice enough to each other like that to me is some sort of sharp biting commentary about like what america has become and you're you're using using an Australian family to comment on America than British writing. That's like a, a triple decker of a triple play, an unassisted triple play. Oh will, gosh, we're, we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there, guys. I uh, I love and respect you all. Apparently, the wipe the Wi-Fi both in this house and in this bathroom is not great. Uh, so I gotta go back and like I guess chaperone my kids who are all in. A- hey, you should uh, start telling them like that they're going to be the heir to something. Just plant that seed now. I feel like they're at a good age. <laughs> Take them to the candy store, maybe. Tell them what your hopes for them are. And, uh, he's going to tell us he's having trouble connecting with his kids. I'm having trouble connecting with my kids. <laughs> hey, Big big T, all I got to <laughs> say is conversation, it's important to be inside of it. That's all right. right. You got to so. be. be across everything. <laughs> I got to be across everything. Guys, yeah, get to see you. Yeah. party, man. Well, uh, so, DJ, I, I, my prediction before I watch the final episode uh, I kind of had it. I had it pegged. I I thought it was going to be Greg. I was sold on Greg was going to make the because he was just outside the family and you know. I, but then it's like, oh, obviously it's Tom because he's like Comp- a more polished yeah. version of Greg, right? So it's like I, I kind of had it right, but then I got caught. And this is why the show is so good to me. I still fell for the bait oh, totally. of getting caught in the mania and almost the alternate reality that they're living in the showrunners do a, such a good job of making you believe 
I was like, oh, yeah, they're finally all going to work together, right? Like, Ken, Ken's doing it, man. He's doing it. He's, he's, he was the only one in that episode, I felt like, that was actually being honest. You know, he, he and I guess Tom, you could say Tom and Matson was pretty honest. But, like, between the siblings, I thought Kendall was actually doing the right things and being honest with his siblings, and they still fucked him, which was, which was a, a, I, you know, that was a brutal blow for me. I'd, I'd kind of. The, the votes had been whipped in my head. I was in. I was like, he can do it. No, Shiv, don't do this. What are you, what are you talking? And then it's like, but then Frank just lays it out at the boardroom. He's like, Brutal. the deal's too good. This is obvious, guys. I, of course I'm going to vote yes. Like, absolutely not. You fucking idiots can't have the company. Are you serious? Like, <laughs> what are we doing here? You know? And so I, I fell for the bait. There was such, Tron, you sent over the, the Drew McGarry thing in, in, uh, you know, Drew's like write up about the episode. One of my favorite things I've read about an episode of TV ever, I think, was his take on the the very, very ending, like the the last five seconds of the episode, which is you just have this swelling score and this swelling, like all this music and all these camera treatments and all these like things that are just like Kendall's story is amazing. It's unbelievable. What a dramatic like what an unbelievable drama to follow this guy around what an important story and then the last shot is all that score dropping out and it's like no he's a fucking chode on a bench man he's he's nothing it's important to him when he sees himself as the the center of the story it's unbelievable man but when you're just like if, imagine walking past that guy and any of us being like man that's really unfair that he didn't get to run that billion dollar company like that's i know he's like uh you know kind of an addict and he doesn't really have any credentials and you know it, and he killed a guy, he killed he's a walking guy. Away with, with billions of <laughs> yeah, dollars yeah but like, <laughs> man he really got he really got jobbed it's just god that was such a good read on that's on that the last funny scene. part to me too is like like this is all about these like legacy media conglomerates that are dying on the vine yeah right like they're gonna buy this pierce company that and then like they totally forget about that like they don't even fucking acknowledge it the last it was two or three episodes ten billion dollars they were gonna buy yeah. it for tc well, and then matson and then matson's talking about like you know doing his shit behind the behind the scenes you know i'm doing my shit here i don't i need a pain sponge out there and it's like man this is so fucked up man and it's like it's kind of like you know it's like twitter with like it's like the everything app of the you know the betting and and this and that and also like it's like a mix of that and tiktok yeah i feel like and you know it's like god this stuff's so so transparent and or just you know, it's such a good commentary on the shit that's going on right now in, in our society. A hundred percent. It's uh, man. It, the Pierce thing is, is like highlighted and bolded in my notes of just like, man, what more example do you guys need that, that these people are not serious and that all they care about is the drama and being at the center of like the action where it's just like, what, what's the number 10 billion uh, nine we'll we'll go to 10 what is it six we'll go to 10 we don't care and then just completely walking away from it and like the other cool thing about this season is that like it's basically like an episode a day right like it's the whole season is basically like 10 days so tron that was like six days ago that they were like in trying to get financing trying to drum up 10 billion dollars for this talking to the old lady and they just yeah already are just like oh yeah i don't know I, yeah no we're not doing that that's why i thought like Telus was one of the like funnier characters of the season so two where 
you know, like all he gives a shit about clearly is just like getting his points consulting in the field. fees. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you know, I mean, everything's going to hell in a handbasket. He doesn't care how it's going to end up. He'll make a way to, you know, he'll find a way to make it work. Right. So I think like, as we talk about the end of this season, obviously like Logan was the central driving force in this show and the decision to sort of off him in the fourth episode, third episode uh, was quite, I don't know if it's controversial at all because I don't think anyone like disagreed, but it was quite the surprise, I think. I, I certainly thought Logan would live until the end. I'm kind of curious as what you guys think about that when you watch that. Like, Tron, you, you, this is really recent for you. You probably watched this, you know, just hours ago. Like, were you stunned that that happened? Did you think that this, that was the logical ending point? I swear to God, for most of that episode, I thought they were faking it. Like, because they didn't show him. Can I be honest? Right? There was a part in the finale where she's like, there's a guest here and I can't tell you who it is. I was like, oh, yeah. shit, he's alive. Yeah, and then I was like, no, you're like, being an idiot. What do you do? Of course he's not alive. Like, stop it. Yeah, stop like, it. even yeah. like two yeah. or TV three episodes guy. later, I'm thinking, oh, my God, there's going to be some crazy twist <laughs> where like Roman or where, you know, Logan shows back up. And because they never actually showed him they like you know it was it could have been crisis actors it could have been this whole thing i was like man these people really are like that fucked up that like they're all in on this they're doing that and you know but then obviously the the funeral happens and you know all that but it it's i think kvv i like that because i felt like it it laid bare that like nobody can step into his his yeah. figure right like there's a there's a complete vacuum there and none of these people are capable of even filling 20 percent of that 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 was i put a question on our agenda of just like what is this show about right and i, I think for the whole time i've i would have had a lot a much different answer before the finale than i do now which is i i think it's almost about that like i, I keep thinking about it in my head as like the half-life of power where it's like, man, there there are so few people who can actually do that. And there's only a couple of them in the world and they all have to be very far away from each other. And it just sucks up so much energy that it's like, Logan has that, Matson has that, nobody else in the show even comes fucking close. And it's not like a transferable thing, right? It's not like there's an equal amount of power that's you know not created or destroyed. It, it is just like, like, he can't, Logan can't pass that to Kendall. He can't like I was talking to Max about it today. He called me to talk about the finale and I was talking about like golf. I was like, man, there's one Tiger Woods. And honestly, if we had more time with Rory, I would have asked him about like, hey, man, what's it like when everybody keeps trying to make you the next Tiger Woods? Because that obviously isn't going to happen. And that's a little bit like what this show's about, right? Is you just watch these guys like they cannot resist this idea of like, no, 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 I can do it. I'm I'm the same as him. I'm just as good as him. I'll show him. I can do it. Give me the baton. And it's like, dude, it's it's impossible. There's no fucking way. You could play all your cards right. You don't have a chance. I think I was a little bit worried. The I think, first of all, I think the decision to kill him off was the right one. And the episode itself was like one of the most realistic depictions of like when someone dies suddenly. Like it's not like you have a chance to prepare or you see it coming. It's like, you know, the, the sort of intensity of like the way that the kids found out in real time was really beautifully done. But I worried a little bit in the next couple episodes that the absence of Brian Cox was going to be this sort of meta thing about like, well, the, sh the sh no one can fill Logan's rule, uh, Logan's shoes in the show, big, but no one can fill Brian Cox big shoes. either. Big, yeah. big shoes, <laughs> big, big <laughs> shoes. And I, but it's still like the power of Logan, especially as you sort of neared toward the end of the season. What would Dad do in the election thing, or the, the fact that he's in the coffin and they're talking about him? 
it still resonated. Like it was, Logan's power as a character was still there as a weight in those episodes. And so it worked as it came, got to the end of the season for me. But I, I worried initially, like, oh, man, without Brian Cox, like, he's such a good presence in the show. I'm not sure the show is going to work. And yet it did. Well, I think that that's that's the, the other actors are were so good at those roles by that point. And and back to like the after the show commentary from Jesse Armstrong and my guy, Mark Mylod, the way they, you know, talking through the way they shoot them with like one camera, like one, you know, they do like yeah. a 10 minute cut of just like the shaky cam going through the room. I was like, man, I would love to hear more about that. Yeah. Like te- teach me your ways. Cause, it, but he's like, the only way you can do that is that all these actors are just like, they are the people at this point. The funeral thing. They did it like in one take, right? They, they had because they only had the church for a limited amount of time. That was a, a fascinating thing, like nit, tidbit to the reason why you should watch those things in the NTC is because they talked briefly about we only had the this our schedule was so tight. We only had this church for a certain amount of time. Instead of doing our two camera thing, we had to have like five cameras and they had to be on for like the entirety of the shoot so we could get everything in like essentially one go round. I was like, whoa, that's intense. Oh. Got a funeral I, I think the uh, I I thought of all the great TV series like endings. Sopranos, the for me, the Sopranos, The Wire would would come to mind first. This was my favorite ending because I thought it was the most realistic. Hmm. And kind of back to what I was saying about I I got sucked into the trap of thinking like, oh, Kendall's gonna win. Mm-hmm. Of course he's not. Like this is how it goes. This was like, yeah, the board wins. The money wins. Right. And the simple answer was always going to be the answer. Like Deej, what you always said, the scorpion thing. It's like, yeah, I'm a scorpion. I, I stunk. It's like, yeah, you're a moron. You're not going to be the CEO. It's like, duh. And I thought that they did a good job of not, uh, what would I say? Like lossifying it, yeah. lostifying well, it, it of like, they didn't yeah. throw any dumb curveballs in. Yeah. It was all just like, they were, they were throwing yeah. a bunch of like, stuff like shiny objects at you and if you were like me you got tricked by those but like the most simple answer became like yeah the you know the cockroach tom is going to win right because he's just going to do what the most powerful guy wants him to do it's that simple don't rock the boat i was thinking about our last uh podcast that we did the the pre-season preview one when you were you were bringing up uh survivor you're like you know yeah tom is (laughs) and i think that on that pod yeah. it's like tom's gonna win and tom played I, a great I, game I moved away from he played that. a great game way to go neil way to go neil you had it you nailed it from the beginning no he, he played a great game because you don't want to you don't want to draw attention to yourself you don't want you know he just it just kind of yeah. coasts along um and you know what Guys, to tom's credit he does uh like his uh empathy at the end for greg i thought that was admirable god that was so good like you are a piece of shit. But, but also, is you. that real empathy, or is that just him wanting to have somebody around to like as a patsy of as soon as For something sure. else yeah. goes wrong? I, th- I like, think he saw a climber in him in his own like yeah, well, and know, I think image, he pre- right? like almost like that was me when I saw that. I was like, damn, Tom's gonna do well. Like he's mm-hmm. he's already you know well, he's gonna get rid of uh, my guy Carl. I he hate didn't even Carl. blame Greg for tra- betraying him because he knew he would have done the same thing, and in fact had done the other thing. It was like, yeah, we're. We're the disgusting brothers. Like we're we're in this together. I need a Greg where I'm going, and you need me. I mean, I think there's a lot to those two just being like basically outsiders too, right? I mean, even Greg, like, there's the great scene with Tom where he's talking about information, like, is like a bottle of wine, and you just let it age, and then you you know smash somebody's head in it with it at the right time. Uh, but like even Greg, when he has this like earth shattering bit of info, is just like 
all he's asking is like, hey, man, can can we just kind of like all be friends? Can I be basically like, can I be in? Can I be one of the cool kids? Like, please. Now, if I do something incredible for you, <laughs> will you do something amazing for me? <laughs> and that's that's all Tom has been going for the whole series. Like they're, those two are, you know, I know Greg's kind of like a cousin, you know, technically, but those are the two outsiders in the show. I think there's I think there's a pretty real bond there. Let's be on the quad squad. That's right. Can we can we quad, are we gonna it up quad? I, I want to quad. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hand up, like I forgot that like Living Plus was episode six. I think I think F seven was kind of where it 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 just kind of plateaued a little bit for me, or sure. it kind of went slightly down. I thought I thought F six was great, was so good. <laughs> Living Plus was so sick. <laughs> like, like you got your my dick in your hand, but I got yours in my head. And then and then all this stuff with the with uh, what was Logan's girlfriend's name? Carrie. Yeah. <laughs> her 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 tape was so good. Like like all these bit players, all these little. Little oh. characters in the show between Carrie and Hugo. And- Hugo's the goat. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I love. Hey, Hugo's man, one of my, one of my one. favorites. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you want us to get out in front of this? Well, you know, listen. You know, between us. Oh God, that's good. Uh, I think Carrie's one of the best like visual gags maybe on TV history was uh, Car- Carrie's brother's haircut. Like Carrie's brother having the <laughs> same exact haircut as her in the background is just so fucking funny. It's, it's this is my brother. And that was kind of a my, cool moment, lawyer. though. Oh, so cool! Like, you know, like the four ladies sitting there in the in the front row, and basically just like, like man, like what a weird testament to that guy. What a monster you know? their mother is to like yeah. arrange that though. But like, she's, I mean, just she's just intentionally like doing shit that she knows he would hate. You know, trying to trying to almost like piss him off beyond the grave, which is like so fucking funny for these. <laughs> she puts the nubbies in the bag. <laughs> That's right. God, when they she, need a they I, need I another. She doesn't like human eyes. She is an awful. Uh-huh. She's one of the best characters. <laughs> if you talk about somebody that transcends like all four seasons, the mother is God. She is Satan, the, and it's awesome when, because uh, it, God, I hate her. When it's awesome, they need another pallbearer, and and she suggests Peter Munyon, the guy that she. <laughs> Yeah, we're down just, a wheel <laughs> yeah maybe peter could step in peter could just the there. person you respect the least in the entire world yeah maybe he could carry your casket oh. and when they're pitching the the them and they're in where Bar, barbados i think yeah barbados after she says like 15 times over the phone i don't want this to be about business oh. like let's leave it behind like, peter dear will you come over here and then <laughs> I love that we never even heard the pitch. That it was so stupid that like the kids We're just, just continue sort of fighting as the audience. We never even really understand what the fuck. So it's about. I watched it twice, and I remember from an earlier one. I think Peter made his money in like retirement homes. Yes, it was assisted living stuff. And so you could catch just little tiny snippets because I would like really keyed in on that the second time, trying to hear like what the hell are they talking about? And there's just a line in there where he's basically like. Yeah, I mean, listen, the rooms aren't going to have, like, the comforts that, like, you and I would be, like, accustomed to. (laughs) (laughs) And that they're basically just trying to absolutely, like, squeeze the margins so hard on these Which fits in with Living Plus. Exactly. He's trying to get in on Living Plus. (laughs) Jonathan Jonathan talking about, you know, I I know uh, 
no, you know, we're going to really push it close here, but based on everything I've heard, no one can technically, you know, get us on this, <laughs> on this. Like we're going to, we're going to get away with this. Some of the most, I think, insightful or kind of, I don't know, there's some depth in all the scenes that are at Logan's home Yeah, in, in the whole season, whether it's like the kids are like, they don't give a fuck about nostalgia or material stuff. Like, except Connor. it's like, Oh, I wanted that stuff of dad's yeah. or whatever, except for Connor, which, yeah, but, but like, or, um, the stuff with, with Tom, like about the girl that, uh, that, uh, Greg brought to the, to the, <laughs> with the bag. With the- yeah. It's a ludicrously capacious, <laughs> a ludicrously capacious. capacious bag. I mean, Greg, it's monstrous. You slide it across the floor after a bank job. <laughs> <laughs> She's walking, he says, walking around with her flats in case she's taking the subway home. Subway, she's, yeah. She's wolfing all the canapes like a famished warthog. <laughs> like there was I, some of this stuff around that. Greg, is she from the apps? <laughs> like, like, but I mean, Greg's sense of like his observation of societal norms and of just class structure, I think, mm-hmm. is is something that plays into you know, who ends up winning, right? It's, there's all these Tom, Tom's observations or Tom. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. Totally. hundred percent. The guy, he played the best game. He's it's truly survivor. It's great. I think it must, the, the fun, the funnest part in the writing room must've been like writing sessions where it's like, all right, what is Tom going to insult Greg? <laughs> Those must've been so much fun to write over and over, just throwing out all kinds of hilarious insults. Like that. when Tom, when Tom says about, uh, it was about Shiv's earlobes. They're, they're meaty. They're like barnacle meat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do think the best scene of the show is their uh, Shiv and Tom's argument on the deck. Oh, oh so Oof. devastating. I mean, so it's good. so, it just builds and it's like a really good jazz solo of just, <laughs> man, this, yes. this is, this is, this is Coltrane stuff here, man. I don't know where they're going next. This is a lot. <laughs> And then All they right, go everyone, back to get it out of my again. house. Get the fuck out. Oh, they go back to it again when Shiv kind of goes to Tom for some sort of forgiveness or some sort of, hey, let's meet in the middle. And then Tom just completely shuts her down. Yeah. You know, later on, it's like, oh my God, that bowled me oh. over. So we've talked about Tom a lot. And I, I'm curious, Kevin, how you feel. Like, I felt like leading up to this episode, there was a lot of just like, who's going to win? Who's going to win? Who do you think is going to win? Kevin, how'd you feel when you heard that word win? It reminded me a little bit about the Sopranos discussion of like, who's going to get whacked? Like, who's going to be the the boss, whatever. And I sort of hate that storytelling. Like winning doesn't really have a lot to do with storytelling, right? It's like, what's the, what's the best dramatic or like fitting ending to the tone of the series? And it was like that they were all sort of continued to be a little miserable, right? That they all, none of them got what they wanted. And so I, I just, I really loathe when TV shows become like this game of like, oh, like what number you got? Are you going to win this? Like, so our family's drawn up numbers and whoever is the winner wins the pot. Like that to me sort of goes against the whole idea of like writing a television show. And so I did turn my nose up a little bit at that uh, while at the same time being satisfied that Tom, if anyone was the winner, that it ultimately turned out to be Tom. But but I think what's funny, so Tom, if we're examining like, you know, the winning uh, bounty here. So he uh, has a job where he has no real power, where he is basically <laughs> just Matson's puppet. Like that's what was attractive. Uh, Matson said he would openly like bang his wife. Uh, he's completely alienated like the rest of his wife's family forever. 
I, I have to assume the rest of his family's completely toast. I don't think the fly guys are coming back anytime soon <laughs> after the, uh, you know, the bachelor party episode. Uh, and he's basically in like a loveless fake marriage uh, about to have a kid with someone who maybe despises him, maybe doesn't, maybe uses him for connections, maybe is only there for personal reasons. It's like, dude, like that that doesn't god that doesn't seem like a huge w to me neil but i would argue that he if you take tom at his word he cares about money and he cared about having a kid and he's gonna have both of those things and that's what i think is so interesting so i think he did win he won on paper i think right like he checked all the boxes he was looking to check and like god that looks fucking miserable that looks awful but i think you know the winner's madsen yeah I mean, he he's like he he outplayed them all. Yeah, like he got he got it done. You know, he was able to. It's funny to hear him talk to with when he when he tells Tom, "Give me the uh, like, once you soft pitch yourself, give me the the main slide, the main just, slide, just the one slide." You know, it's also and interesting I, to see to see Tom like not show up to Logan's funeral. Yeah, where I, and I guess Logan's just gone, and you know that's the only thing that mattered was was jockeying for position there. But um, I, Kendall, I, like, did, I, Kendall lost the number one spot because he did come to Logan's birthday party. Right. And Logan was like, you should have yeah. handled the deal. And so it was like a, a reverse sort of homage to that. Like Tom yeah. did what had to be done. And he ultimately, that's why he was the guy. Did, uh, did anybody win? Were there, other than Matson? I, I agree with that. I think that, that kind of goes back to what I was saying. Stewie won. Stewie, Stewie always wins. <laughs> Stewie's the goat that's been covered. Well, Stewie, I mean, he didn't really win. He picked, he backed the wrong horse, but it doesn't did, really matter. It does, he's yeah, got the cash. Still making matter. shit tons of yeah. money. Yeah. Uh, I've heard the the case. I think, uh, uh, I think Justine was saying this, but I think Willa won. You know, yeah. I think Willa's Willa's got a pretty, pretty black. I mean, Connor won. On. Connor, Connor kind of knew who he was uh, all along. One of the things that I think is sort of uh, maybe this is in the McGarry thing, so I don't want to rip it off if if it is, but without giving attention, but like that scene where they're in, they, they shows them the home movies and whatever. And it's like Logan and, and uh, Carl ends up singing the sort of yeah. Irish or Scottish song or whatever. And they all, all the kids end up sort of crying and stuff. And, you know, it seems like there's like genuine love between <laughs> Logan and Connor in that scene. Like he pretends to, Connor pretends to, I'm a little teapot and the thing of Logan Roy and Logan doesn't tell him like you fucking idiot, fuck off. It's because Connor always kind of knew that he was an unserious person. Right. And he never sort of, you know, pretended otherwise, uh, other than even the, his presidential run was not really based on anything serious. They are. Yeah. And so I thought that was kind of a, a sad, like those kids knew that they didn't have the, like many of those moments, or at least if that wasn't that, then it was sort of a, a callback to Shiv saying in the funeral thing, when the sun, yeah. when he turned the sun, sun on you, it was incredible. Yeah. Uh, Uncle Ewan lost. Who do you think ended up winning? You know, like does, does what's the presidential guy's name? Mankin. 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 Your, Does Mankin actually take power, you think, or no? I think there was a little uh, hint that Shiv drops in the apartment about, like, oh, did you see that court news in Wisconsin? First of all, massive season for uh, not only Midwesterners with Tom, but yeah. massive, uh, made me massively look forward to the election here in Milwaukee in a couple, couple, uh, you know, next year. But uh, yeah. I think she was saying, like, you know, oh, did you hear about that? What's going on in the courts? And kind of saying, like, it didn't seem like he was going to actually come out yeah. ahead which in, in that case willa doesn't really come that's out true ahead. that she's gotta she's gotta still <laughs> hang she, out with yeah Connor. you saw that on her face yeah. like oh well, you're not going to slovenia <laughs> exactly uh let's uh let's do favorite scenes let's do favorite scenes this could be you know 
whatever you got. Favorite scene from the finale, favorite scene from the series, uh, whatever you got. Tron, what, where do you want to go? First? I thought the stuff in L.A. was just so strong. Like, they're sitting there, and Kendall's talking about, like, Romy. <laughs> the 100 is Substack meets Masterclass meets The Economist meets The New Yorker. They're talking about the... Middle Easterners out there, like Jess, find them a journalist to burn with their cigarettes while they wait, or whatever they, whatever it is they do. Uh, you know, like God, there was some, there were some other one-liners where you know Kendall and Rome just, just laying it on thick, like the, like seeing them out of New York and in LA yeah. in a different kind of ecosystem was cool. And then even at the studio in in the next couple episodes beyond that, um, I thought that stuff was really strong. I really, God, one of the ones that really just punched me in the gut was when, uh, was when Rome was, was firing Jerry. Yeah. Like, I really like Jerry's my girl. I really like Jerry. <laughs> like, so that's just like, that was, that was a pretty human scene. And it just, God, that made me, made me sad. And then Jerry comes back with a vengeance. So she's yeah. like, I'm going to, I'm going to tell everybody I've seen, you know, <laughs> this many, this many pictures of your dick, all that stuff. So Neil, what do you, what do you got? Well, I think the um, the scene once I you found you kind of hear behind the curtain how some of these scenes are filmed. The funeral scene is really hard to beat. Just and and because you also it takes you out of just being a spectator. You start to think about man, those guys making those speeches like that's a church full of people. Yeah, like li like that's a live thing. And I I, I just make those have a more of a gravitas to me of like man, these actors are doing. They're doing the damn thing yeah. here. Uh, and I think the uh, when Logan dies and on the boat for Connor's wedding, just that that whole episode oh, I thought was yeah. master class in both like technical filmmaking and also just acting. Uh, because because I think grief is a it's a fine line of like you can overdo grief as a kind of like you can overdo being a drunk idiot right. as an actor. Yeah. Right. Like you know, it's hard to act drunk. Uh, so I, and I think they all did a really good job of embodying the grief of each character. And that was a, a scene that you got to see them all show off their chops. Kev, when you, you think back on succession, what, what scenes are coming to mind? One of the scenes that always has struck of me that I thought, uh, Sarah Snook was just awesome in is when I think it's the end of the first season where she goes and convinces on the playground, oh. the woman to basically just, you know, not testify in the cruises case or whatever. And the, the way that the, the writing of that scene and her ability to sort of like slowly twist that woman in around and thinking that the brave choice actually would be to not come forward in this thing, I thought was like, holy shit, like this is a different level of writing because that's one of some of the smartest, most manipulative things that I've ever seen on television. So that sticks out. Like I think Boar on the Floor, we always have to, we got to give <laughs> yeah. a shot at Boar on the Floor. Like we'll be we'll be making Boar on the Floor jokes for the next decade, uh, so get ready for those NLU audience. Uh, and I mean honestly, like Uncle Ewan's monologue in the in the thing was such a piece of like literature. Yeah. I had parts of it here. He said, you know, Logan fed that dark flame in men, the hard, mean, hard, relenting flame that keeps their hearts warm while another go cold. Their grain stashed while another goes hungry and even has the temerity to tell that hard, funny, yes, funny, but hard joke about the man in the cold. I, I got to watch that again. I haven't got to watch it twice because, like, I just thought that was, like, one of the most badass. I mean, that, that whole, like, eulogy where he talks about, he gives him, like, a moment of humanity of the two brothers, like, in the boat Ugh. 
having to be quiet for and like how that hardened the two of them and how that you know what that was like for them as kids and the polio thing. You, it was great to sort of like get in final in the last few episodes like little snippets of things that you sort of maybe had hints at but never really kind of revealed themselves like the polio thing. I don't know if you guys remember, but Unreal. the way that they manip- the kids manipulated the thing with. Uh, I can't remember the actress's name now, but who was gonna sort of take over uh, thing? And they and they said, "Oh yeah, oh, make yeah. sure he mentioned his sister." Uh, Holly in Hunter. So, yeah, Holly Hunter. So Holly Hunter like mentions his sister, and Logan, of course, is furious. And that's good. we never know like yeah. what the deal is with the sister till yeah. the very end. Like that's such good writing, and the stuff even with Ken's kids. Like I, I was always wondering, like, is are Ken's kids adopted? Like, what? you know, there was never any like explanation that's of that until hell, the KVV, very I felt the last same way. scene. I was, I was like, like, oh, oh my finally, God. okay, yeah. I get it. Like, I now I get why the, it's sort of Ken's kids are sort of this weird thing, and and Logan has like almost no relationship with him, or he, whether he feels weird towards him. I was like, man, that is a good reveal. Like, it's, it's not like a big twist, but it's like, oh, it, this is how way people talk in real life, right? Like, it just they don't tell you or spell out things. Yeah. So those are things that stick out to me. Even just like from a, you know, the kings and kingdoms perspective. I mean, Kendall, like the the little detail of him not like siring a son, right? Like mm-hmm. the fact that one of them is a is a essentially like a sperm donor is like yeah. unreal. I had Uncle Ewan at the tip, tip, tip top of my list as well for all the reasons you mentioned. But I mean, it kind of kind of spells the whole show out for you, man, in that like unbelievable like monologue, like you said, where yeah, I mean, parents treat their kids shitty. Those kids grow up into parents who treat their kids shitty, and it just kind of keeps going until someone breaks the cycle, and it doesn't look like any of these dipshits are going to break the cycle. So it's like, it, it just it just keeps going. And then I, I think the other part of that, too, there was a line in there about, uh, he said something in there like, I, I don't know when he decided to give up mm-hmm. about Logan. And man, I, you see that in the whole finale, right? You see Kendall give up on trying to do it the right way and trying to kind of, as he's been going for like two and a half seasons, just teetering on the edge of like, ah, maybe I can be a good person. Maybe I can do this the right way. Maybe I can kind of just like will my way to the top through, through doing the right thing. And it's like, he just gives up on that. He hires, you know, Hugo and Colin and he just becomes a fucking ghoul. He's lying about whether he killed the person or not. Shiv gives up on, you know, trying to be the CEO, the big, the boss lady. And is instead kind of like, well, maybe I'll just have my kid in kind of close proximity to the power. Instead, Roman gives up on being any kind of adult, And it's just like, this is boring. I, you know, I can't do this. Please take me away. And it's just, I, that's, that's kind of all of it. One of the things I really loved about the funeral, just say this before I forget is Roman, you know, he, he's clearly rehearsing his speech. He's going to talk about, Oh, my dad's a great man. What a great man. He did all these great things. And then when he chokes, Shiv and Kendall go up there after Uncle Ewan, and they managed to sort of give a speech, but also tell the truth yeah. about who their father was. Like, I, there was they wouldn't sort of play it up of like, oh, he was you know this wonderful person. They're like, no, he was a fucking hard person, and he was like, yeah, he he did like these interesting things. Uh, but even Ken's speech, like Ken of all people, you could see maybe him like bullshitting his way through like, Oh, and dad was, but no, he kind of tells the truth about his father. Uh, he gets going and going yeah. and going yeah. and feeding on it. And that's what pissed me off even more about Ken after that. Cause he feel like he's, it's like a transformative moment for him where, mm-hmm. Hey, you know what? Like this is what it's about and all that. And then he just falls right back into, you know, it's like, you think that for a second that, Hey, you know what? He is going to step into his father's shoes and, and, you know, be a bigger man. I think there's, mm-hmm. what did you guys think of the scene in, I don't know if it was Ep 1 or Ep 2, where it's Colin and 
Logan in the restaurant oh, together. God. That was in the that was at the end of season three, I think. No, no, that was. Oh, the, was that no, season was four? Like, it was, season, yeah, okay. it was three. Yeah. Was season four it was like episode three. Was like yeah, I think it was. Siege, right siege, I, I can confidently yeah, you're right, say you're right. You're right. I'm definitely an authority on which uh, <laughs> what's in which season. Um, but yeah, that was one where he's like, you know, I'm a hundred feet tall. All these other fucking people are pygmies. Yeah. Like that was, there were you know, and basically talking about markets and people as economic units and all that. But I it, thought that was it's telling. it's also a good example of like he doesn't have any fucking friends. Right. Yeah. It reminded me a bit of the like, you know, sorry to take a cheap shot here, but uh, the Patrick Reed quote about Henrik Stenson. Like, yeah, he's like one of my best friends it said to me, like, what? <laughs> like, we've we've played practice around like twice. Like, yeah, that, shit, man. I did not know you felt that way. But I feel like that kind of catches Colin off guard a little bit. Just like, oh, OK. It's it's like, shocking to the uh, full circle with Colin of I thought one of the most powerful not scenes, but moments is season three. Kendall comes in like Vince McMahon into the headquarters and he's not supposed to be there after he's, you know, uh, you know, declared war on his dad. And Colin walks up and stands over him and says, I know you. Yeah. Oh. Like, I, I know who you are. And, he, you know, you can tell us like Ken's just terrified of him. And then by the end, who is standing, exactly. who is walking behind him in the final scene is, the, you know, this guy. So, like, I don't know what to read into that, but it's just like. You know, I know, I know you, you smart British showrunners are saying something here. And I, I know, I know Mark Mylod, I know what you're up to, but I, I thought that was good. I think it's just, Hey man, like all this, it's kind of what we were saying earlier. Like all that shit is going to follow you around forever. And you, you paid it to follow you around, mm-hmm. you know, and you're, you're just, you're not going to get rid of it. It's going to be He's like there. the grim reaper man. driving your car. It's watching your kids. It's just, it's, it's there on your fucking shoulder. Kev, yeah. you're kind of our our resident, you know, hobbyist uh, lit major. Any any uh, thing to say about just Kendall and water? I feel like we're we're always, you know, we've got the yeah. obviously the the drunk driving thing. We've got the you know too many lemoncellos by the pool where he almost drowns. We've got the he kills the living plus thing and he he goes for he writes number one in the sand and goes for a swim. We've got the Barbados thing, and then we end with him looking at I don't know what that is, Neil, the East River. One of the one of the rivers down in it's Battery, Battery Park. Park. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so he's he's Not looking out the at the Hudson, yeah. the, heart, the, the heart confluence river. of everything. You know, the easy thing is like he he's reborn in some way, and each time that he sort of encounters water, right? And I don't know if that's too like of a on the nose kind of thing, but like he he sort of keeps reinventing or keeps sort of finding some new thing. I saw where he said the actor Jeremy Strong said that that was like his idea. He wanted to sort of have water be kind of part of the final scene because it had been part of Kendall's, uh, you know, story arc and stuff. But if you, you think about like exactly what you're talking about, like the the kid dies in the scene when the car goes in the water, the, you know, scene in the pool where it looks like he's going to drown. And for a brief moment, you wonder if this is like more Dallas than it is, you know, like an actual <laughs> <Right>. piece of literature, <laughs> you know, you have earlier this season when he goes swimming in the ocean, when he sort of starts to formulate a plan about like how they're going to take out Madsen you have the scene on the where he goes and swims out in the dock, and then the kids are like, "You're you, it's you. Yeah. We anoint you. Yeah. You're the king." And then you have the end of him looking out, like, you know, is the last sort of gasp of water to him just like you're left as a viewer thinking, like, is he gonna just walk in the ocean? You know, in the sort of uh, yeah, you know, like the awakening with that Kate Chopin book where the person <laughs> walks into the ocean never to be sort of KVV end it all. I don't know. Are you a big yeah. Dallas guy? I remember watching Dallas as a as a kid, and I I joke a lot about Dallas because like Yellowstone I think is the closest thing to Dallas. Like it's 
everything is sort of a little bit absurd. Everything is a little bit heightened, but it's still like addictive. Like there's no, I don't want to shit on people who are like Yellowstone viewers because like I watched the first three seasons and I was like, God, I can get why people love this. Even though I think the show is kind of shitty. It's also like really good in its own weird way. Yeah. It's entertainment, right? Mm -hmm. I wonder, I wonder if some of the rivers or the water stuff too is, this is where Randy would drop the, uh, I forget if it's Marcus Aurelius or whoever it is, but the, uh, you know, the no man ever steps in the same river twice kind of quote. Mm, he's mm. not the same man. It's not the same water. Uh, I wonder yeah. if there's a little bit of that going on too. Yeah, it's kind of some, uh, some uh, Norman McLean. I'm haunted by, haunted by, by waters. waters. Yeah. yeah. Guys, I kind of buried the lead. I saw Jeremy Strong yesterday. <laughs> <gasps> Whoa. In Brooklyn Heights. <laughs> Just wandering around? Yeah, I was with Toronto. I was with our parents. We were walking God, back. From, we walked over oh. the Brooklyn Bridge. Did mom and, and dad watch, you, watch Succession? No, mom does. Dad doesn't really. Imagine and a conversation. These two women were standing there. Jeremy like, Strong taking, in the franchise. On, the franchise is probably day. like, this shit's, this shit's, no, it's, it's so, not, it's. That's a hell of a show. Yeah. That Rupert, too that's a hell of a show, man. You, you're, you're really doing some good stuff, man. That's, well, that's we were walking down the other side of the street, and these two women were like standing there, like kind of taking a picture of this guy walking a stroller and he was on the phone and you know they were like that's that's jeremy strong that's i was like oh big day for ken you know and he was like he was talking really loud on his phone too yeah i know i was like wow what what a the timing of that is kind of rocking my world but uh yeah he was in i think it was like a couple blocks off of uh like Henry and Pineapple Street up in. I think uh, if, if Jeremy Strong were the last surprise guest of this trap draw, it would sort of break all. Dude, like, no, uh, trap draw. you said I that. I can't join your podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> guys, guys, what's up? How we doing? How we doing? I just thought no. that the That's water like, dramaturgically was was the right. I, call I disagree. Shiv, no, I, I dis- fucking disagree with I disagree. you. I, I just don't believe you. Uh, That's like one of my favorite quotes of the whole season. Going back to that LA scene, because there's just so much good dialogue in that one. Where Ken- Kendall says, hey, if we partner up with our name, with these fucks here, some other pieces of shit, our experience, <laughs> Shiv, the dummy, the yummy, dummy, demi, my profile is the fearless leader of the good fight, you as the dirty little fucker, oh, Roman, he really knows himself, pushing the filth buttons. Oh, like, that, I, I was just, I was like, man, this is yeah. going to be an awesome season of TV. Like, that I is- believe that was, that was my pitch to you when I wanted That's to right. join NLUTC. They did, like, they did hit us hard with the dialogue in, in episode one. What was the, uh, or episode two, they couldn't get a plane because the dad, like, said... They- like you're him on the helicopter yeah. and he yeah, says he like your lot. greatest tormentor is also your greatest teacher and he says like yeah <laughs> thanks <laughs> thanks buddha in the in the tom fords yeah neil let me ask you this i wouldn't be a good podcast host if i didn't if i didn't ask uh what would you have asked jeremy strong you get one question what would you what would you have fired up to him oh man but <laughs> putting me on the spot here uh do do you like the way things turned out yeah I probably would have said, like, are you happy with the ending? Yeah. Hey, big night, big night, big man. Huh? <laughs> Come on. Huh? Come on. Phones. I need phones. The, I need phones. Hit him with the Hugo. Hey, man. Yeah. Hey, hey man. buddy. <laughs> Great you know, you know what you should ask him, Neil? Is is France going to make it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was, God, I love like just, on, just this stuff. I feel like we're kind of sleeping oh. on some of the stuff from when they were in Norway. Oh, it's like yeah. just those scenes and the fucking gondola and the sauna scene where like that was one of my favorite scenes where Carl and Frank oh, are sitting outside. Outside, outside of the sauna. In. No, the <laughs> best guys line, are the, the best line of the whole yeah. show is when uh, Hugo says to 
Tom or he's like, look, they fatten you up before they, you know, <laughs> no, Tom does that. Big, and that's another one where Tom, Tom yeah. sees it coming from a mile away. And all no, those, so Tom says, all it, right? those he's guys like, look, they fatten you up before a bunch the, of pastries, the slaughter. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's Fra- Frank or Carl says hanging in the window, like a peeking duck. <laughs> <laughs> I died. That was, that was so good. Man. Uh, God, that's, that's good. Because like you guys have been, Scandinavia, yeah. Too, the the scene on the mountaintop where Roman goes back at Madsen was like, "We're gonna fuck you. We're gonna every email is gonna take six months. <laughs> fuck you. Like you, you know, you killed our dad. You did it. You killed it. I, I loved. I was that. That was the first time I was like, I'm really rooting for Roman and Ken. Yeah. To like, I'm to fuck this guy because fuck Madsen. Uh, before that, I was like, yeah, he's so much more competent than these two. So I had a moment of flow. I was like, actually, maybe he's an idiot. Maybe Madsen is not the big boss. So so KVV like like after that, I kind of found myself like you, like rooting for Rome of like, Mm -hmm. man, like I want the deal to go through because I want Rome to know, like rooting for Rome means rooting for get the hell out of this. You're being like, you know, lassoed back into this time after time after time when all you need to do is get the hell out. Free yourself out, yeah. Yeah. Those two, gosh, I think on the top of the mountain too was the first time where I'm with you. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm kind of rooting for it, but like from a cold, logical standpoint it's also like you guys are little boys you have yeah. no fucking idea what you're doing and then to to have them be on the plane just like yeah yeah no we just totally nailed it man we, we it was a master class <laughs> we got him to go up and you know five dollars a share it's just it was unbelievable and like they slowly just kind of i was thinking about today like they slowly just keep devolving more and more and more into these like little baby boys where even when by the time they show up to Barbados. I mean, Roman's like dressed like a little kid. He's got that like t-shirt and shorts on. He looks like Freddie out there. <laughs> and like they're dumping the smoothies on people's heads. And then by the end, they're getting sleepy and fighting in the conference room. I mean, it's like, you know, these, these are not, I love you, but you are not serious people, man. Sitting, you know, crisscross applesauce yeah. on a conference table. Totally. It's just that was, and you think about it. That's the last scene where Logan had dialogue. Yeah, was he said, "You're not serious people." Like when he was alive, because he died the next episode, and we never hear from him. I think prior to that, uh, maybe he, maybe he and Roman have a conversation on the phone. Prior to that, but like it's the last scene he had with the kids, and it happens in, in a, a karaoke. fucking karaoke bar. <laughs> so see, like you make this giant of a man, oh. Logan, meet up in a karaoke bar to basically just tell his kids, like, "I love you, but you're you're a bunch of fuck ups." I thought that was that was somewhat powerful, like when they were. They talked about it in the eulogy and then they just showed it kind of across the four seasons of like Logan being comfortable in the real world, walking the streets, yeah. going to the park, all of that. And then no room, juxtaposed- no room he wasn't comfortable in. Yeah. And then juxtapose that with Roman, like, you know, wandering into the protest and getting his ass beat. Or, or, or Connor walking into the bar. Just, oh, America, I've missed you. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and it's like at some point there's something like it almost makes Logan more depraved that yeah. he can spend time with like, you know, in and around real human beings sure. and still fuck them over that yeah. badly it's true. versus the other ones are that disconnected from the real world. And, you know, it doesn't mean anything to them. Yeah. You need like ultimate self-awareness to be able to do that. And he just didn't have it with yeah. any of the people that were in his life. Yeah. Uh all right, we're going to start landing the plane here. Let's let's hit a couple segments uh, I put together. Uh, we're going to start. Neil, I'm going to start with you. I, I think you'll like this one. This is the Connor Roy presidential. You know, I'd love to have a beer with blank <laughs> award. Uh, who, who do you got? Who are you giving this award I mean, to? 
I gotta, I just gotta stick with my guy Carl and Frank. I know that was from from like those guys playing around a golf with those guys would be phenomenal. Carl's still just a a top one, so two, three character for me. But you know who really was a dark horse? Uh, Hugo would be another one. I mean, I think he, you know, he get get pumped that guy full of vodka sodas and he just starts singing like a bird. Hey, hey, man, hey. good one. Uh, uh, we should talk. I like the little I like the little runs you know, like just the guys that are on the periphery that are observing everything and they would you know you get a couple beers in and they'll start telling you everything I can't tell if Carl would be because he's, he's certainly on my short list as well but uh, I couldn't tell if he would be like like when you think about that ultimate social climber no marketable skills like we've also met a bunch of those people at a bunch of country clubs and they're the fucking sure. worst like it's almost <laughs> like the Kendall like outside of the context of the show it's like no, dude. I've met that yeah, guy. That that's guy fucking fair. sucks. But Might it's be a bad so answer. right. No, but I'm with you. It's such good writing and it's such good like editing and framing and everything that it's just like God. That guy rules. Maybe I should party with the uh, the Swedes then. Oscar, uh, maybe. Yeah, Oscar. Oscar would be my, yeah, my right hand man. Just get super twisted with Oscar. I I gotta you know I gotta stick with my. I think I would have said this after season one. You know I'm a. a, a oh fuck! I forget what he says. I like. Uh, you know, something, something, and bad drugs. My guy Stewie. Uh, weird sex and bad <laughs> weird drugs. Weird sex, sex and bad, bad drugs. drugs. <laughs> uh, I just the selfish person. Yeah, DJ. I'm, a, I'm a very complicated person. No, you're not. Uh, I, I mean, just the best man. A- anytime he's on screen, I just I light up. He just he Stewie. just melts me. I love absolutely love Stewie. TC, we miss anybody? God, I'm, I'm gonna go Rome, man. I'm a Rome. <laughs> God, that'd be just, a potent yeah. combo. I think that'd be bad <laughs> for everybody. DC with Rome. Yeah. <laughs> I just, you guys are launching you know, rockets. You guys are you guys are doing all kinds of shit. Yeah, I'm. You know, I'm a definite conhead. Like when conhead's <laughs> trying to, when when uh, Connor's trying to to pin down, like when they're they're describing, uh, whomever. I don't know if it's Mencken or whomever, but they're saying like, oh yeah, like he's de- he's like an anarcho-capitalist. <laughs> like he's, they're trying to body or no, they're they're talking about Logan and he's like, Yeah, they're trying to body snatch him. If anything, he was a narco capitalist. <laughs> getting <laughs> getting Connor like I would have I would have beers with Connor. I feel like I, sure. a a half of get, Getting well. around the table with Connor, uh the bizarro Connor, who's like his political advisor from the Pierce oh, family. Oh god, the, from the Pierce yes. family and Randy, I think would e- be a good trio to easy my liege. <laughs> whoa. I would whoa, also love liege. to have uh, like I would love to not even say a word, just sit there, while R- Randy and Uncle Ewan have for a sure, for yeah. sure. That would be I feel like they yeah, would Uncle have Ewan's a lot probably the easy about. answer. Uncle Ewan and uh, and Greg, but I feel like Greg would be not interested in hanging out with me because I'm, I'm not close to power. Yeah, be, he'd be eyes would be going around the room, looking yeah. over your shoulder. Oh, oh, excuse me, Neil. I'm gonna um go over here and sit with Solly. Uh, he seems kind of uh, more. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like the, um, the mover and shaker of yeah, things. Um, but, uh, I'm just not like I'm. I'm not sure. Uh, um, yeah, I don't think. Does anyone know if work. Rory is coming back on the podcast? Because um, I would. I have a couple questions I want to ask him. Uh, maybe uh, Tim also was was someone uh, I wanted to speak with. God, when he goes in and and uh, he goes in and introduces himself to Mankins, one of the best like Leroy Jenkins <laughs> moments ever. <laughs> Hello, sir. Uh, and they're all just descending on Mankins. It's like a meeting friends. Uh, yeah. all right. Let me, let me ask you this. Any, any unpopular succession takes you want to get out there? We've got, we've been absolutely glowing. We haven't said a bad word about this show. Any, anything un- unpopular might ruffle some feathers this is a safe space. 
I was, I, I can start. I was, it's not really unpopular. There was a theme that I wanted them to go for. And I thought maybe it was going to happen with the Ken, you know, killing the, the caterer or the, the waiter. But there, and I, something I wonder about with super rich people is that in, throughout the show, they're on their phones, constantly in contact, constantly sending each other, send me the deal terms, this and that. There's no hacking. There's no security mm-hmm. protocol. There was no, uh, and I thought that was going to play a role in this season, and it, and they never really touched on that theme. Because I, I remember on our preview show, we were talking about like what what other like caricature or archetype or thing yeah. are they going to hit on? And the fact that there wasn't a Waco Roystar uh, like hacking scandal hack, yeah. plus the CTO, some you know CIO of Waystar Royco gets introduced. It Rat, was kind of a maybe Rat Fucker Sam. He's the closest yeah, like, I, I got. Just, I, yeah, I, I didn't feel like uh, that was a theme I wanted them to go with. I, it's kind of random, but yeah. it's something I was expecting. That was where I felt like that could have been like when when Kendall's out in New Mexico. Like, I forgot all about know, that. Smoking horse. Uh, <laughs> Trust me, I've smoked horse. I know horse. I gotta love that. That's like, saying like, I've like smoking horse. Like that's that's something you know. Like going back to that too. Of like some of those guys popping back up, right? Man, uh, I don't know. I go ahead, Kev. What do you got? Uh, the beginning of the show. I feel like Roman's character is not particularly well defined in like the first two or three episodes. Like and even if you go back to the pilot, like he's actually has like, he's married uh, right. or he's wearing a wedding ring in it. And there's like a, maybe he has a kid and they just kind of like, mm-hmm. like obviously that doesn't work for Roman's characters. They memory hold that. I think, it, I think it takes a while for Roman to become like a really great character. Uh, and it's not until I think late in the first season. And then I was like, Oh wait, I get this show. Like they're all, because like there's nothing likable about Roman early on at all. And then it's, I don't know if there's anything like a will in general about him, but there's something like more charismatic about him when they, the writing started to get more defined in who he was. I think that's right. I think th- this, this is the most unpopular I've got, but you could certainly push back on none of these people have any friends and maybe that's the answer. But like, why does anybody give Greg the fucking time of day? He's mm-hmm. a slime ball. Every I struggled with that for so every long. piece of information yeah. he gets, he narks it to somebody he like why is ken in the middle of like this conversation with his siblings and his mom and the vote is tomorrow and all, like why why is he taking greg's calls other i guess greg's close to Matson, like I, I i guess but it just it seems a little unlikely that the rise of greg was a little unlikely it seems like they would have stuffed him in the river the one element of that that i liked though is that greg was family whether they thought he was a fucking moron or not and so much of like the show is about like Okay, like should the family yeah. sort of stay within the family? And so he's able to rise up through is because he's like he's like the dipshit prince from another sort of, you know, thing who kind of worms his way into the royal family. It's like, ah, oh, but Greg is family. Like fa- they, the way that they look at family is like, all right, he's like a a pure blood amongst us, so we must have to sort of keep yeah. him close and protect us. And Tom he's got white the, he's been whitelisted. Yeah. 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 And so On the that's family how he's side too, like because even if you think about like Uncle Ewan when in the in the beginning when they're going to have the board meeting where they're going to vote Logan out of power like the bear hug or whatever and they and they ask Ewan's like well, why would you vote for me he's like you know you, he's a fucking horrible person but he's my brother yeah. and it's like oh okay like and i get how it's this like people's family views yeah. each other i mean i mean he, like even greg's mom that's who he's right. sitting with in, yeah. at the funeral yeah. right yeah. 
She's just sitting there and like nodding. Like this is this is horrible. Like how could how dare they talk to talk about Logan like make this? Sure, this is you know. Make sure you take him out if he starts unfurling a banner or something. <laughs> <laughs> so good. God, that's so good. Uh, DJ, I'm with you. I think I think the like the the unlikeliness of Greg just you know especially with how they deal with like bit players like the way that that Roman talks to you know Hugo right, right. Like, fuck off fuck off totally. just fuck off like totally. it's like you know it's so implausible that they wouldn't have just had some sort of falling out with with Greg of like who's just clearly this like it's just never done anything you know, right very disconnected interloper yeah, yeah. but. Uh, all right, I got a couple just wild speculation questions. No right answer, no wrong answer. Uh, Neil, let me throw this one to you. Does does Kendall survive the next year? Is he still alive a year after he's sitting on that bench? Follow-up, did you think he was going up or down on the elevator? I thought he was definitely going up to maybe well, unsubscribe. I, I, the elevator seems when the, when some other guy got <laughs> in the so elevator weird. with him. But that was I one of my other questions. Very, Who the fuck was I that was, guy? Who was that guy? <laughs> What what I didn't know what because everybody on that floor knows what just happened. Why would that guy just? I feel like that guy is is taking him out of the building. Hmm. Like you're done here. Oh, that's interesting. That's, that's it. He's he's security. He's like a he's hired. He's the Pinkertons. That's interesting. That that gives a lot um, more credibility. I was definitely that, with that, you, Neil. That was how I what read is it. That guy. Yeah. Leave him alone. Yeah, I don't think. I, I guess I don't think that Kendall has the gumption to off himself if that i think he would do it in a i think he would be a, a slow uh you know spiral sub, substance spiral for him so yes i Which think it would take over a year start for the him whole to show over again spend, right spend it yeah. all and go back to his old ways and you know but i, I don't think i, I kind of like what you saw from him for most of uh season two i guess where he's yeah. just kind of like a frail version of himself in iceland you know at the rehab center like that's probably you know shaving his head doing the doing the buddha stuff just got back from the front kev what what do you think i love that he says he's gonna go to court Uh i'm going to court court right right now now. i'm gonna lay in front of the car (laughs) cool ken thanks sounds good man Uh, I think, yes, he does survive. I think it's, uh, Niels Reed is right. He's too much of sort of a coward to take that way out. He's going to just sort of slink around through life with various like dumb, you know, apps that he's invented or art schemes that he's, you know, ginning up or websites that he's created. Uh, and I, you know, I don't, I don't think that he and Roman are probably done like doing something in some capacity together because they, they keep sort of you know, as much as these kids hate each other, they're sort of in each other's lives and they'll eventually go to some birth of Tom and Shiv's kids. I, I just love that the story from our perspective is over. Like I, I know this story goes on for all these people, but we don't get to see it. And that's fine with me because, you know, a great story has a, a beginning, middle and end. And that's not real life, but this is a story. I'm going to take the other side just for, for radio fun. I, I think that was it. I think that's the breaking point, man. I don't, I don't okay. think he has... I think the Jesse Armstrong thing is right. That's the defining moment. I think everything mm-hmm. other than this is going to just pale in comparison. I think he goes and starts a sneaker company. He's going to feel like a fucking idiot. He doesn't have his dad out there constantly flicking him in the ear to, you know, to keep like reminding him why he needs to go do this, why he needs, I, you know, I, I think the, I think the spirit might be broken. I, I, I know that's a very pessimistic read, but 
I, I don't yeah. think there's really much much left. He's got no, so he's got no kids. I mean, the, the kids have essentially been all but taken yeah. away. Rava's gone. Shiv, I don't know that him and Shiv come back from this one. That was, you know, the whole like, I don't think you'd be good at the job is is basically about the toughest thing you could hit him with. Uh, I just, I don't think, I don't know if he puts himself back together. And the whole thing of like him wanting, like he, he loves the chase of a deal, yeah. right? Like he says, yeah. you know, I've been flying around the country. I've been spending personal capital, <laughs> having serious fucking conversations <laughs> with serious people, you know, getting big fucking names on board, all that stuff. And it's like, like you can't do that stuff if you don't have something credible yeah. behind you. Like, I, and I know like a billion dollars is, is, is credible, but like, like you don't have a thing right you're just out there searching for and i it. feel like the thing that always would get him in the room before is like well i have my dad's ear right and yeah. my dad's like the the thing that can really change your life like all i have is kind of dumb money right and maybe that gets him into some rooms but i think it you know i don't i don't know that it gets him into the rooms that he actually wants to wants to be in anymore i feel like the spark is gone well so then what's the if there was a sequel uh wh- who would it be about I think it's about Roman. I feel like Roman's just might live Groundhog Day from now on. I feel like it's just like cocaine and like shallow relationships forever. It would be my read. I don't know. I I would be, I would love to see him get into something else. I just, I feel like this is like, there's nothing. There's nothing. Yeah. I feel like this is what Kevin was saying. Like, I I feel like it kind of was the story. This was the center of gravity for all these people. And it's like Tom. You can't it's, do shit. Yeah, it's like Tom. Like God, how fucking bleak would the Succession two point with the Shiv and Tom story be for the yeah. next thirty years? I I think uh, yeah. I just I don't know. I'd I'd watch a Connor one. I'd wa- for sure watch a Connor one. <laughs> yeah, I would watch that. I don't know who else you follow. Oh, that's it. They're probably the logical. I, I don't think so. I think that was it. Well, they yeah. they kind. Of, I felt like they left the door at least in the New Yorker article I read. I feel like Jesse Armstrong left the door ajar on like, oh, maybe we could follow one of these characters in a sequel. But I don't think it would work. I don't. Th- it has to be like a minor character almost. Like some, yeah. so that they yeah. only connect. I'm trying to think of who it would be. Like, is it, is it you, like Stewie or is it, you know, Frank <laughs> yeah. or is it, you know, Jerry or something like that? I mean, part of what made like Frasier such a fun, like sequel to Cheers is that it was like a character that you never thought would work as like a, you know, and, and it made it, so much interesting because it was such a like an interesting pivot, right? Yeah. No one. What was, if it was like, the Scandinavian? Uh, that's that's what I think. Scandinavian right. in general, those people should yeah. be like that. Would be the logical choice to me. Which brings me to my next question: Do you think uh, you know now that Shiv is kind of going to be around? Do you think Matson starts sending her some blood? <laughs> I don't think I don't know that Matson actually wanted to fuck Shiv. I think he wanted to just sort of test Tom by saying that. And he liked the flirting sort yeah. of thing. I don't even think Madsen like has sex. I think he's just sort of a fucking weirdo. Uh, and they so, had that, that Leonardo DiCaprio rumor that they, they put onto Madsen that he listens to the noise canceling headphones while, uh, always having sex. He listens. To- <laughs> is that a, is that a Leo rumor? That is, that is a that rumor. He listens, I've never he heard listens that. to podcasts while, uh, <sighs> during, during the act. That was a that was a Greg uh, a Greg. Hopefully this Greg bit of info. Yeah, if you're you know taking <laughs> oh submissions, I guess. Uh, okay, what Tron? What happens with the Pierce deal? Is that just? Uh, do they just say like psych? We were joking. Like it seemed like they signed on to a ten billion dollar deal. Yeah, it seems like they did, but also it seems like I don't know. Yeah, like massive overpay, but but did they? 
but like in their own haste, did they actually sign or like there's 10 different reasons it could have fallen apart. Or or I think you know? the optimistic read is like that's succession two. I mean, not literally, but yeah. like that's the next trying to the cobble this back like, together. All right, fuck it. We've got Pierce. Let's yeah. let's do it. Let's fucking kill Madsen. Let's kill Shiv. But I just don't get like it just seems so definitively like these guys are just uh doomed for eternity to just like step on their dicks forever to the point yeah, the that it's like that dude i don't need to even see it anymore like we yeah. got it these guys are the key to that deal was atn too right well the key, the key to that deal was that they were going to pool all oh, their right pro, you know their deal profits I, i'm just so grateful that hbo like let someone like jesse armstrong be like nah it's four seasons yeah like and we're doing this story because like you could see so many other instances. Like we have this super popular yeah. show; it's critically acclaimed. It's HBO saying, ah, "Could you please do like seven seasons, like or maybe eight seasons?" But HBO's always been really supportive of creative artists and basically saying, "Like, yeah, all right, you want to do four? That's fine. We'll, we're in the Jesse Armstrong business, not the succession that, business, and people will continue to download it and stream it on our show." That's where I'm at, man. I, I have. It's shocking to say this because I. It's maybe in the in the running for my favorite show of all time but like i don't want to watch like another episode of it like i'm good you, you guys yeah. nailed it i just want to watch whatever the fuck jesse armstrong wants to work on yeah right and tron like you were texting me about the menu the other day that's a mark mylod movie oh. yeah. that he directed and i think wrote and it's like dude like this show is going to make all these people so like they were already unbelievably talented and they're they're gonna, just going to get so much better from having worked on this show right I still have half an hour to 45 minutes left in that show. Of the menu? Like, yeah, my <laughs> oh, flight shit. landed. I'm kind of mid-stream mid on that. But KVV, what I'll say is, I think if AT&T still owned HBO, mm. they would have squeezed another two or three seasons out of it, those motherfuckers. Mm. Where, like, <laughs> the stankiest leg would, yeah. would keep them dancing. Yeah, because like that, like that was a cult poor cultural fit where it i don't know yeah. if discovery and that's any better that, that's I mean, not what you're getting from max now it's right. not hbo tc it's max max God, what a st stupid idea well i mean like game of thrones was like a huge it was session was the next big hit that hbo had after game of thrones yeah. game of thrones they fucked up so badly that it sort of damaged the way that people viewed even the people who loved game of thrones the most and so i i don't know if the influences had anything to do with each other but I just admire the fact that obviously like HBO kind of wanted Game of Thrones to keep going. And those guys, those two show owners, you know, said, nah, nah, like we want to go make these Star Wars shit for Disney. It fucked up everything. And it's sort of like the business side messed up a piece of art. Yeah. And here is the opposite side of like, they chose art over business. And kind of well, from that. a, like, just like a high level question, like, cause I've never seen Breaking Bad. I've never seen mm -hmm. Sopranos. Um, you know, I watched the wire all the way through twice. Like, do you think that other seminal pieces of TV ended too early, too soon, too late? Cause I feel like this one's, this one's just right. Mm -hmm. It feels a bit like Mad Men to me as kind of the, like yeah. as kind of the two that knew exactly how long they should be on stage that completely landed the plane knocked the ending out of the park and just were like wholly satisfying. I think the difference uh, is like how little I like in a weird way, how little interest I have in like going back and rewatching Mad Men because it's so mm. dense and it's so dry and it's fucking awesome. It's again, also in that conversation of my favorites ever, but it's like 
it's it's not as fun it, right. right whereas succession is yeah. just like man i i can watch these four seasons forever like they're so mm-hmm. so fun i would i would not sleep on that man because i've seen it all through through and my wife never had and so we're like 60 70 percent away through and if you watch it from like a writing perspective you're like god the freaking writing yeah. in this show is so good and then you watch a show where the writing is bad and you're like oh i get it like <laughs> yeah. i i think succession and Mad Men, i think are different kind of animals than the sopranos and the wire like that those four shows and then maybe the leftovers would be amongst the sort of i think my five favorites of all time where i think the writing is so like on an upper tier but I, what I love about Succession Madman, I've said this like five times on this discussion of this show, is like mostly no one's going to die. It's always about the interpersonal relationships between them. That's where the tension lies. Like are they, you know, someone going to betray another person or is someone going to outmaneuver another person? And that's kind of fascinating to me because that's, I think, way harder than like, oh, this this guy's going to get clipped. And I think, I think The Sopranos actually probably stayed around a little bit too long, but I was grateful for it because it allowed the show to do this like weird artsy experimental shit that really pushed the boundaries of what TV could and should be. I think the wire stayed around for exactly the right amount of time. Maybe even could have like figured out a way to end it, you know, with a 12 episode fourth season as opposed to the fifth. Although I rewatched the fifth recently and and feel like some of it holds up better than it does. I, I mean, I, Breaking Bad to me is just on a full below, tier below these shows. I mean, it's good. I like Breaking Bad a lot, but it is not of the same quality as those other ones. Yeah. Um, what about Dallas? <laughs> Dallas would have been one. Probably, you know, could have wrapped that up earlier. <laughs> JR doesn't have to come back. Spoiler. Sorry. Um, Fuck, man. I would say, though, <laughs> the Sopranos. He was going to run through all of Dallas this week. For Go Almost for you. people that don't, that haven't watched it, they think it's about you know, wise guys getting whacked. It's what it's yeah. really about is like just the, a guy's relationship with his family and it, how yeah. bad it sucks. And that's and the best part of the show. So it it's like therapy the, the, bullshit. Like, yeah. That's and, totally. and, but it's, it's really like not about the, uh, they do whack people, but that's almost like a those secondary. Are like, oh, that, that's secondary. And, and, mm-hmm. but that's almost like the Trojan horse of the show. I think is that it's yeah. really just about a, you know, a family trying to make it in America and being very dysfunctional. Yeah. And I think the wire is similar deal. Like, right. oh, who's gonna get who's gonna get killed? Who's gonna sort of become the police chief or is this case gonna get solved? No, it's really about like the rot of capitalism in America in general. And like that's it's a, another a huge example of a Trojan horse of like, okay, we're gonna feed you like the candy here, but here's the vegetables that are the actual, you know, dark shit. Well, last one I got, what what did Tom and Shiv name the baby? God, probably Logan. Logan Jr. Uh, yeah, I mean, like Logan has to be. Yeah, you know, Tom would love to put that press release out. Logan (laughs) Wamsdams. I mean, how like, man, just from a poetic justice standpoint, like Logan's legacy. How how good is a human being named Logan Wamsgans? Speaking of speaking of Wamsgans, of course. So I can you discuss the theory? I I sent the link to to Homa. I thought he would. You'd pop on. We got big time. Uh, but he oh, uh, he was obsessed with this theory that the, you know, one of the few or only documented, na- you know, examples of the name Wamsgans in public life was uh, this very little known baseball player named Bill Wamsgans. Uh, I think it was Bill Adolph Wamsgans, if memory oh, wow. serves. Uh, but his big claim to fame, he kind of bounced around. He was a very journeyman type player. And his big claim to fame was uh, turning the only 
unassisted triple play in World Series history. <laughs> and as many people are saying that we're saying this week, including Homa, like, oh my God, this is it. Tom's going to, he's going to take all three of them out. This has been in the cards the whole time. My wife was massive on this theory, which I was trying to like tamp down, like, you know, you, you got these like stodgy old British writers. Like, I don't know that they're digging into the annals of, you know, 1920s yeah. baseball to, to look for this. But uh, Justine convinced me pretty, pretty good that like just how intentional every single name on this show is. And, you know, from the Roy's, you know, meaning Kings and from the Shiv, obviously doing what she did in the uh, in the final moments of the show that. Like between that and the fact that they literally play baseball in the first episode, uh, yeah. which I kind of forgot about until today, I was like, ah, yeah. fuck, yeah, there might be something to it. So I think, what is the unassisted triple play? Because I think I was thinking about this after you brought it up. I think it's Tom marrying into the family, like betraying Shiv for uh, Logan, and then ultimately like betraying Shiv again. That's the triple play that he pulled off to become the sort of king. By the time he got the first two, she was she was so far. You know, she was already had rounded second base. There was, you know, he didn't really have to, all he had to do was put his foot much. in the bag. Yes, he could walk yeah. right over there and tag her out. Yeah. yeah. So. What else you guys got? Anything? Uh, Frank and Carl. <laughs> yeah. You guys think they're, I, I thought those are two of my favorite characters. Like, like Frank or uh, Carl and Carl and Kendall, their little oh. spat in the lead up to the Living Plus thing was, was fantastic. So do you, no, uh, hey, I just want to get you, quick five you with you, just Frankie around? and Ken, just like the old days, just Frankie and Ken. Yeah. Well, I love it. I love that. I said at the beginning of this pod, like where they say, they, what do you think? You got one more rodeo yeah. in you? Like, you know, they're like, they, they've been doing this shit forever. Like they're kind of the sort of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern of this show. And they're like, ah, you know what? Like we'll be around for one more. Or we need to get Which out? is funny. But like, like it's like, they're, they're the only ones that aren't depleted by all of yeah. this. So I, right? in, on rewatching it today, I, I, cause I had that in my head of like, oh man, maybe they're going to, maybe they're going to double back. Maybe they'll hang on. I totally forgot the cadence of those two things is like, you see that scene first. And then the next scene is Tom. You're like, no, those guys are fucking out. Like, absolutely mm -hmm. not. <laughs> like Carl dead. Frank, <laughs> Dead. dead uh right before he puts a sticker on on greg's yeah. head so i you think jerry kind of he said jerry's coming back he said he, he loves she's, jerry she's kind of the, he's not scared of the dark i think is what he said magic between the you know i mean because like that's the crazy thing to me about tom of like like him him not even watching the the tape yeah carrie's tape oh. and then just bullshitting along with it so and good. you know it's like oh god Carrie's tape is awesome. just yeah. What else? Anything? I think that's it for me. I mean, just How about sit with it for a while. Marsha, that, that was a, that's a bit of a disappointment, yeah. TC. I thought Good she call. was going to, uh, you know, come a little heavier yeah. in, in the end. But she kind of, I guess at the funeral, that was her shining moment of like bringing, bringing all the wronged women together in, into the, into the one pew. There was also something very human about what she said too. She's like, I loved him and he broke my heart. And I know he broke your heart too. Yeah. Like, you know, like maybe Marsha was actually one of the most human amongst them and they just, you know, hated her because she was her, well, you know, I, instead of like, yeah. I feel like we had that great scene between her and Willa. It was like season one or season two. That was basically her base, her kind of shedding some light on like, Hey, I used to be pretty fucking badass uh and i'm not going to get into it but like i've lived a pretty tough life i think she was from france mm -hmm. 
and uh, kind of like I see you for for what you are, and you know, basically have some respect for yourself, sort of thing. And we never really got that backstory of like what it was. It was kind of another one of those polio, another one of those Logan sister kind of things that was floated. And I always expected that to get paid off, and it, it never really did. Remember, Shiv had like Nate investigating yeah. her, like a, like she was like hook up with the Israeli army right. or something, like some some sort of allusion to that. Well, and then she just she just goes to Italy and just is chilling, and then it's like you know she comes back and kind of reasserts herself, but then doesn't really. I don't know. It just kind of just fades back into the periphery. Well, and two, know. when she had her like when when Logan kind of made her come back for publicity reasons of like shame herself, and she renegotiated their settlement and, and wanted some board seats. Like none of that really ever came into play. I thought that that was going to eventually like. Uh, become a thing and that really what her son was going to maybe be on the board yeah. his, his position was going to be secured well boys this was uh this was an absolute thrill it's uh the end of an era r.i.p to succession uh gone but not forgotten thank you uh for chopping it up thanks to rory thanks to tim not thanks to max uh and uh and, and he, thanks to jeremy Strong. And thanks to jeremy Strong. of course yeah. of course <laughs> and and i will say if you like succession go watch we've talked about it on the uh, oscars pod before go watch four lions is a movie that jesse armstrong yeah. wrote that is fucking awesome and uh i'm not even going to tell you what it's about because you're not going to watch it but go go watch it it's it's good blind blind test okay. and if you hate it I'm if you like if you like this kind of talk uh join the nest come be part of our tv club uh we're talking about severance tomorrow uh, in our tv club uh, I which I know, watch Deech, that. Uh, I know you're a big fan of Severance. I love Severance, uh, man. You, you, in fact, turned me onto it. I was kind of ready to tap out. Uh, really glad that you talked me into not tapping out. Is that Apple it, TV? It is. Yes. It's uh, so good. Might be, with Ted Lasso all over the place this year, it might be the Apple's best show. Uh, like Never seen have. Ted Lasso either. Have you guys uh, watched any of Beef? No. Heard, no. heard good things. What's Beef? It's a Netflix show. It's basic. It's kind of, It's very uncomfortable. Okay. That's all I'll say. But I'm I'm three episodes in, and I'm it's a it's a I can't look away situation. Well, I love it. We're, well, you know what? I, I I appreciate the creatives letting me in on this. Oh my I, gosh! Uh, of course, love to have it. Our pleasure. Of course. Uh, so anyone good. who could knock yeah. them all out in 48 hours is is an open invite. You're a workhorse, DC. Kind of blew my face I off. I love it. Uh, we're still we're still efforting on those other perfect clubs. Godfather, OJ Made in America. Those are oh. still coming. But I will say to- though that the the. <laughs> Uh, the disgusting brothers, not TC, Deej and I. Uh, we we did execute a, a, a experimental yeah. trap draw. Uh, I'm so excited. About Very this. experimental. Yeah. Do we? Are we going to tease it or no? Well, no. We'll just. Uh... I think we'll probably just drop it when it's ready. Which okay. guys, it's <laughs> not going to spoil it. But we were at the dinner table tonight. They were talking all all about that at the dinner table tonight. Freddie. Really? Really? This crazy. Is, this could be an example of the trap draw being just ahead of the zeitgeist, yeah. man. It happens. Yeah. Hundred, hundreds of times a year you know it happened with the tipping situation it, it happened with the uh the suez canal i mean the, trap uh, the, 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 the young slime the stuff yes. down yeah. in atlanta yeah that's right ysl uh so yeah we could be the first ones to 1923 it could be a huge it could be a huge <laughs> Pro- what, what what are you, what are you well, actually the second one harrison ford yeah anyo <laughs> project anyo uh all right let's leave it there guys enjoyed it and uh you guys are forever my number one voice <laughs> thank you the eldest boys you're my eldest boys
and Ziploc that Right on my waistline is why I kept that strap I remember nights, I didn't remember nights I damn near went crazy, I had to get it right Now I'm your favorite rapper's favorite rapper Hey, Now I'm your favorite trapper's favorite trapper The absolute truth, yeah, no joke Who